Hello, this is Champ 180, and I'm your host, your helper and friend, Adam Childress. If you're listening and expecting a kumbaya session on what you want to hear, this may not be the show for you. We are committed to encouraging and developing champion-like individuals who desire to learn, grow, improve in the five core areas of champ. I'm real, transparent, and say what's on my mind with no fluff or puff. So listen up, because today is your day. Stay tuned. Hi, welcome to the episode of Champ 180. Today we're going to be discussing health. And today we have a very special guest whom my family and I have known for a little over 10 years. Her name is Tanya Boyd. Tanya is a fourth generation South African who has lived in six countries, but traveled to many more, a wife and a mother, an entrepreneur, a healer, and a teacher. She considers her greatest accomplishments and the highest calling is that of being a mother. William Ross Wallace says this, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. She runs two businesses, teaches around the Treasure Valley, and hosts fun dancing events for the teens every even month of the year. Tanya has a private practice specializing in information medicine based on the belief that we have been divinely created to heal. She draws her clients' awareness to their own natural healing and potential, and without the need of pharmaceutical intervention. She sees miracles happen every day. Tanya, thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for your time. This is fun, Adam. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm excited to hear more about what you do and how it became to or how it came to fruition. But first, I know your family were missionaries in several different places. Can you tell us what it was like and what you've learned through that? Yeah, we joined uh, MAF Mission Aviation Fellowship about 25 years ago. And if I think of what we didn't know then, um, that was probably a blessing. We had quite an adventure ahead of us and um, a, a big story behind that. My husband was a pilot and MAF uses um, small aircraft flying in third world countries to bring the gospel, uh, people supplies, uh, mail, do medic evacuations, uh, humanitarian work. It's a wonderful ministry. When we started, we prepared ourselves by learning French. We were going to be sent to the country of Zaire, Congo, and uh, took months of preparation, a year of language school. We had to pack up everything we needed for four years of being on the mission field. That's toothpaste, soap, toilet paper, clothes, whatever we needed. Food. There was no little Walmart around the corner. It was a four and a half hour flight anywhere. And to make it even more challenging, um, I was eight and a half months pregnant. We had our 18 months old, month old uh, baby boy. And amid a whole lot of cheering and good wish, uh, wishes, we were seen off at the airport and we arrived in our new home, a little clearing in the jungle in Nienkunde, Zaire. And uh, this was about, gosh, 24 years ago. Um, all exciting. Uh, what happened, though, what, what we didn't know was happening, actually, was that during this time, the 
Zairean soldiers, there was a coup happening and the government was being overthrown by um, the rebels. And the rebels were driving out the Zairean army. And we arrived and literally 13 days later, unpacking our huge crates, uh, my husband uh, was at the hangar and a splinter group of Zairean soldiers who were fleeing the, the rebels blew into our little mission station um, with AK-47s and um, threatening. Wow. Um, it was just a horrific scenario, very frightening. Yeah. Now, with me being um, pregnant and being so aware of what was happening and the impact on my young children, one of the things that I had packed whenever we travel were balloons because you they don't take up any space you blow them up and um Stuart could play with them and it was just so much fun and easy cheap entertainment well with the gunshots I was so conscious of the impact on him that I blew up a balloon and I was popping it and making light of all of that but John very quickly got back to me and said Tanya pack up we've got to get out of here and Mission Aviation Fellowship has a policy of you get the pilots, wives and children out first and then you come back and evacuate the rest of the, um, the mission or expat population. Well, I had 45 minutes to pack. I was allowed one tote of 25 pounds. And what do you get? The house is in disarray. We had huge crates that we were still unpacking. So I grabbed our passports, our money that we were told to have in the very unusual circumstance that we would ever have to be evacuated from a place. Well, this was exactly what that money was for. And foodstuffs, we were going to be evacuated. We didn't know where or for how long. And I had a baby, so I had to use that precious um, a space for juice boxes that were still from the aeroplane and, you know, diapers, things like that. Anyway, John came, he herded us onto the aeroplane, and because um, of my advanced state of pregnancy and the age of our child, um, it was determined that out of everyone in the uh, mission station that we were on, to get me out first. And so here I was with um, another family who just arrived back with their six-week-old baby, we were in the aeroplane, John was all business, um, you know, clearing, uh, doing all the checks on the aeroplane. But all around us were young 14, 15, 16-year-old rebel soldiers um, who, or Zaire, and I forget which they were, but with guns, bare chests, you know, just like all the ammo very frightened themselves, hopped up on drugs mostly also, and they were just intimidating us, shoving those guns in our faces. Um, and literally, we we thought as John started that aeroplane um, that we were going to be shot out of the sky. We, we were just, it was almost an expectation of as we took off, we were just waiting for them to do it. It didn't happen. We flew to a little, um, to safety, a little um, disused uh, boarding school, and uh, the next day off to Nienkun, uh, to Entebbe in, um... anyway, um, after that, it was just a whole series of events where the pilot husbands 
dropped all of the wives and children off at a mission station there and uh, flew Nairobi, Kenya and flew back to evacuate all of the rest of the expat um, population. For the next 13 days, we had no contact with our husbands. We didn't know if they'd been killed on the first night that they arrived. Uh, we had no idea what was happening. 13 days later, we got the um, alert that our husbands were on their way back. A church of ours in Cape Town, South Africa, flew us home there, and that's where our daughter was born. After that, we went from the frying pan to the fire into Haiti for a, a year and a half. After Haiti, I'm just really speeding forward. We were mm -hmm. then uh, sent to um, to Lesotho. We after that we went to Lesotho, which is in the borders of South Africa, enclosed a country enclosed within the borders of South Africa. We were there for a while, just learning the language, unpacking when we were asked if we wouldn't please consider going to South Africa to um, head up the ministry there because the CEO um, was very ill at the time. So we went there, we spent three very wonderful years. After that, MAF in um, the US asked if we would join the larger MAF US group. And uh, John was given the position of vice president. When we got to California, we spent another three happy years there before the whole ministry relocated to Idaho. So that's how we ended, in, ended up in Idaho about 18 years ago. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful place to raise our family and to settle in. It wasn't long after that that MAF asked if John would become the president CEO of MAF US. There are many countries um, that fall under the MAF US umbrella. And uh, for 10 years, John did a superb job of leading the ministry. But that came with a lot of uh, stressors. And the accumulation of all of that um, caused him to become very ill. In fact, for 18 months, he struggled with his health, failing, um, getting worse and worse. At a certain point, MAF said, look, you need to go home and take care of yourself. We'll give you six weeks, but get yourself right. And uh, we've always chosen natural alternatives to uh, to heal. And so this, this was a very difficult thing for us because we completely understood that he needed to get well in order to keep his job. But at the same time, what was required? What would it take for him to get well? Mm -hmm. So... He lost 45 pounds on his tall, lean frame. He was fading fast and I believe just weeks away from actually dying. Um, very scary place to be in. And I felt completely unable to do anything more for him. Someone suggested we go and see a functional medicine doctor. We went to go and consult with him and he said to us, I know what will help him, what will help John, but I've just come back from this training and I'm too fresh um, to be able to take on a complex case like this. Go to the person who developed this technique. So I packed John in the car, drove out of state. You know, at this stage, he could only lie on cotton sheets. 
Um, he could only eat three or four different kind of vegetables. He was really in bad shape. Anyway, we had the first, the, the last consultation of the day overnighted at a hotel and the first one in the morning before we came home. And for the next 24 sessions, treatments were done via a Zoom call. And three months later, you would never have said that he was sick a day in his life. Really? That's awesome. It was absolutely mind-blowing. But me as a Christian didn't know, didn't understand what was happening. And um, in speaking to our long-time um, homeopathic doctor who was still in South Africa, who treated us over the years, all the decades on the mission field, she said... Um, Tanya, that's what homeopathy is. It's energy work. And I'd never put the two together. Then I started to realize it. Because I wanted to also understand what it was, because I had been cautioned over my early Christian years against New Age stuff. <laughs> and um, I was so fearful of stepping into that pond that I kept so far away that I was actually allowing fearfulness to keep me away from something that was so that is so fundamental to life mm -hmm. so I being a Christian went to the New Testament and I read it from beginning to end that summer and the more I read the more I understood that this was not new age stuff as much as it was old age stuff and there's a quote from Marie Antoinette that says, there's nothing new except what has been forgotten. And, you know, I then thought, yeah, energy, matter is only matter as, uh, because of its frequency. Um, then also I knew that Dr. Herb, being our homeopathic doctor in South Africa, being deep in her late 70s, early 80s, what would happen to our family because we'd not seen any doctors what would happen to us if she was to pass on and that was always a concern at the back of my mind um, but I realized that this actually what has happened to my husband I'm sorry here to bear it all but out of that a lot of good came mm. because I determined to learn this technique and with that the empowerment of knowing how to deal with my family and loved ones and friends at that stage, that's all I was focusing on, um, was a gift. And um, because we intrinsically know how to heal, God has created our body in such an amazing way that his design will always try and heal when you get sick if you cut yourself with a knife and the knife drops to the floor you clean it out that body begins to heal true um so i just knew at that point that i needed to develop my intuition which i believe is a gift from god and um that whole process that took about a year or two maybe even three really deepened my faith. It really deepened my relationship with God because I came to understand that I don't have to rely on anything else. God has already given us, he's already set everything in place for that to happen. And all I had to do was connect with him and allow him in faith, and that's what took a lot of time is to get out of your head, allow him in faith to lead me through this process 
And then, then I realized how much over the millennia our intuition has been dumbed down. Yes. You know, we've never been it, it, we've never been taught how to use our intuition. Um, we've been giving our health to someone in a white coat and you know, then our body is pieced out. If you've got something in your head, you go to a psychiatrist. If you break your wrist, you go to that kind of a doctor. If you have stomach issues, so piecemeal, our whole body has been um, sent out to all these specialists. Sure. But we are created mind, body, soul, and spirit. Not one part of the body is superfluous. Um Everything works together. You can't separate the mind from the body. You know, if if my body is me and I cut off my arm, I'm still me. Right. Um, so it's just it. What what I became aware of is how beautiful all of that synergy is, and I wanted to step into that flow. Um, energy is fundamental to life. Everything is energy, mm-hmm. but. People are so scared of it, which is crazy. We think that, oh, energy work belongs to New Age stuff and the East, and therefore we in the West don't use any, you know, the Western medicine doesn't take into consideration energy. I think a lot of it is people are uneducated about it. Absolutely. It's been over the years. There's been a whole lot of fanfare, and we've been wooed by the pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. And it's so amazing, so fantastic, and all of these wonder drugs. But there's not one pharmaceutical drug that you will take that won't have some suppressive action on your body. And, you know, anything that is driven into the dark causes trouble. And this Mm -hmm. actually goes right across every aspect of our life. When you don't want to attend to something, it causes trouble. So basically our, you know... Um, we have awareness of something that needs to be addressed, say an issue of jealousy, for instance. But we don't like to deal with that emotion, so you'd numb it with entertainment or you know health food or whatever it is. We try and block that emotion from our minds. Well, instead of attending to it, we drive, we set in a pattern of driving those emotions deep and deep within our body. And it's only a matter of time till your body speaks your mind. Mm-hmm. Your body's like a megaphone yeah. because we can numb our minds, but at, uh, we pay attention to pain. Right. So the moment we're feeling pain, okay, then, then there's trouble. But actually, if we were more in tune with our bodies, and this is my whole work, is that mind-body connection. Listen to the mind first, but if you don't do that, at least listen to the body. It's trying to tell you something that your mind has not attended to. And if you use that pain or discomfort well, you will heal in your mind. So um, it's really a, it's a beautiful analogy of, mm. of things. Um, if we were to hold a powerful microscope up to the human body and zoom on any cell in the body, we go past the cells, the DNA, the base molecules, the atoms, electrons, all the way down to the quantum of energy, 
There is just that and a whole lot of space. In fact, if we were to remove all of the empty space from the atoms, the entire world would fit into an apple. So with it being so fundamental, why are we so scared to address it? So I believe this is just something that we were created to know and to be in tune with. But over the years, being so enamored by the pharmaceutical industry and then a spirit of fear moves you away from thinking, you know, of, of thinking that that is our natural condition. And now we end up so dissociated. Our spirit is so um, apart from our mind, so apart from our body that we're fragmented. Mm -hmm. And it shows up in our minds are just fragmented in our Families were fr fragmented in society, a nation, the world. We only have to think about what we're going through now to see how we've not placed a priority on unity and peace. Um, energy also has weight, and we use that same those those analogies in the English vernacular. We say we are weighed down by the the um, cares of the world. We feel low. We're depressed. Um, I feel like I've got a millstone around my neck. But the same token, when we release energy, maybe in the form of a good conversation with someone, maybe it's exercise, um, energy work like I do, laughter. That's Those are ways that you process that, in, that energy that has been locked within you, anchored within you. And when that is released, you feel so light and buoyant and joyous. And I think I don't think there would be one of your listeners that has not picked up on how low and heavy they feel when they hold something in and how light you feel when you release it. You, and energy is so real. You can only, um, you can walk into a room where two people have been arguing and you can sense there's something wrong you know we don't have it's we can do that um so so anything that is driven down that is muscle locked is causes a problem energy is never made to stagnate it's supposed to move mm. so my work then calls Put, shines light on it. It's as if you were in a dark room and all these things are stuffed in there and hope no one you know, sees it. And I come in with a flashlight and I shine it in the corner and something's exposed and the moment it is, it's released. That's all it has to. We just have to give it a moment to acknowledge it, to honestly say, yes, I feel jealous about that. And then talk to someone Resolve it and you're free. You're free of it if you've forgiven that person or forgiven yourself in that matter. But it's when we stuff things down and refuse to address them, that's when it anchors itself into us. Which causes um, other health issues. Exactly. Bitterness. So, yes. And all of that, you know, if you, um, everything is awareness, you know, you've, You've had the experience perhaps where you've bought a new car or a new-to-you car and it's of a particular color and you drive on the highway and suddenly you're seeing those people, those that same color car all around you. Or if I was to say, oh, I love this time of year when the 
doves are cooing and you would say, what doves? And I'd say, just listen. The moment you give it the light of conscious awareness, you hear it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, if we feel any, um, every emotion has, has its own frequency. Like, for instance, our, our body has a certain frequency. Now, if the frequency of bitterness we were to experience that and hold it within our body, that frequency of bitterness adjusts and disturbs our perfect frequency. And then um, our organs, um, glands, structures, everything changes. So we can literally think ourselves sick and think ourselves well. You may harbor, since you give a example of bitterness, you may harbor it and think it's private, no one, no one needs to know about it. But harboring it is going to make you sick, not the other person. So really, if you love yourself, you will be more mindful of the emotions that you entertain. And I always give my Christian um, clients a an idea I say to them if you think of the realm of your mind as being the city gates of Jerusalem and those gates open and close you decide who's going to come in or not so if I have bad thoughts about something I can decide if I'm going to let them in and let them reside within my head and affect me or I can say no I'm not letting that affect me I won't ponder on it I won't entertain it I won't take it down the road I won't extrapolate and making it a, a bigger deal than it is we have the control of our minds mm-hmm. you know people can stop our actions or force us to do other things but the minds are our unique um, territory we decide what we do with that. And um, our minds are incredibly powerful. And I think it's, it serves us well to realize how much power we actually do have with regard to our health instead of um, sending it out to various um, people to be attended to. It goes back to um, uneducated or not to be offensive but ignorant of what we can do in our bodies. And so we heavily depend on, like you said, professionals. Instead of just researching, they just feel like, hey, I've been conditioned to go see so-and-so for this, so-and-so for that, like you said. Yeah. But, um, you know, being uneducated with the health-wise with your body can hurt you in the long run because you can see somebody and they'll give you either not all the time, but a wrong diagnosis or medication, like you said, has a lot of side effects. And my my kids know this because they picked up on it because I laughed at it a few years ago. And ever since then, when they see medicine um, a commercial, they'll have a good, you know, good video commercial of people laughing and having fun talking about the medicine. And then they'll go into the side effects, you know. And my kids will kind of mock it. Oh, or could cause death, you know, or your arm to fall off or blind. You know, they kind of just mock it, which is true. People don't pay attention to that. Yeah. 
they see a video of family having fun out in picnic, and they're talking about this um, pharmaceutical medicine or this a drug that will help you in a certain way, but they also talk about the uh, side effects. Mm. There's always side effects. Yeah. People think that they are powerless and therefore they need to outsource. No one knows your body more than you. Yeah. And you need to take take back that power. Think. We've been given a good brain to think through things. If, you know, for people just to think that those are paid actors, yeah. um, you know, and to look at the side effects. We all make choices. I think that this is an age of... Um, of accountability right. more than anything. And you can absolutely choose to go to a doctor for everything. You can absolutely use um, reach out for a pharmaceutical over-the-counter um, drug. You can do that. But if you were wise, you would think, okay, I've got a headache. I can block it with that. It's the, the same analogy of... There's a red engine check light is on. Right. Well, you can take some duct tape and just cover that because you don't want the light to be on. Or you can say, I wonder why my check light is on. So these um, these are our check lights. Everyone has the accountability of their own health and their own body. And in fact, it's selfish to even do so because when you neglect your health, you're placing a tremendous strain on the people that love you. Mm-hmm. On their resources, their time, their energy, their money to look after you. Yeah, they get affected too. Absolutely. You're not an island. So it behoves each one to take accountability for your own health and to watch your thoughts, uh, watch what you do. So if I've got a headache, I can say, okay, I can just numb it. I don't want the headache. Or I can think to myself, use my resources, my God-given resources to go through some Am I thirsty? Am I hungry? Am I stressed? Why am I stressed? Why Stress is self-generated. It doesn't come from the outside at all. You generate those through your thoughts. And so it's, it's the whole going through all of the, the why until you get to, okay, that's why I've got a headache. I slept wrong. You know, it could be something as simple as that. But it really does behove you to at least consider the whys. And then if you were to come to someone like me, and I know other people do a similar work as well, I train people how to think, how to be connected, mind, body, soul, and spirit. That's good. So I use my, I just use muscle testing. But if someone comes to me and they say, and I've had the gamut um, of, of things, but if someone says, for instance, um, my shoulder, I've got a right shoulder pain. Well, I want to know what it is. And the majority of people actually come to me because they've not had resolution from the pharmaceutical industry or from conventional medicine, uh, Western medicine approach. So they come to me, okay, so yes, you've given me the um, x-rays. There's no break there. Or there was a break, the break is fixed, but the shoulder is still painful. So immediately I know that there's some trauma that is locked into that, some emotional something that was perhaps um, experienced at the time of the break that hasn't been attended to. Maybe the friend who threw you, you know, into the wall needs some forgiveness. 
Uh, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. It's, you, so you use your mind. And I use muscle testing to go through to find the very fundamental issue that stopped the healing, that stopped your body from doing its God-created job, which is healing. Interesting. And then I literally just speak words over healing words over my client. I don't touch them. I don't manipulate them. I don't give them anything. My words heal. Because we're, we're told to either speak words of life or words of yeah. death. We're also um, you know, told in the Bible to um, we'll be held accountable for every idle word that we speak. It is not okay to call someone a jerk or an idiot or um, make disparaging remarks for someone because even though on some level it affects them, it affects us. Who are we becoming Information medicine is what I practice, and information is everything. If you are driving on the highway and someone cuts you off and almost causes an accident, your reaction might be, that idiot, I hope he gets in an accident. You know, And yeah. that spewing out is not okay, because what happens if it's not okay for many reasons – but what happens if I were to say to you that he was rushing to hospital because his wife was having a baby in the backseat right. of the car? Makes all the difference. Yeah. Now suddenly you're full of benevolence. Oh, my goodness. I'll lead the charge. I'll get the, you know, the other cars out the way. Information is everything. And um, if you see you as being this big 5,000-piece puzzle and... All of those pieces are information, units of information, and someone, whether it's stress, toxicity, an accident, someone, something has come along and jarred that table, and some of those pieces of the puzzle have flipped upside down, perhaps they're covering other pieces, some have fallen to the floor, some have got kicked away, those are what we call information faults. And all I do, Adam, is I identify the information faults, I put them back, and I take my hands off. The design is there to heal, and your body will do its God-created job of healing. I don't heal, but I lead the person through that healing process. But that's good. I love that. Um, that is so uplifting. We make it so hard. Yeah. You know, you got to do this. You got to jump through hoops to get better. You got to, um, and it's basically, we have it within us, like you said. Yes. And none of us, we don't, a lot of people don't know that. They, they just, I agree. Like I said, conditioned. Mm. The TV, what do you do? You know, it's everywhere on movies, on everything. Yeah. Where do you go? You're, you're raised to go see somebody yeah. if you're sick, like a headache. My oldest daughter, you know, a lot of times when she's uh, moody, we'll ask her, have you eaten? No. Mm. Like, well, you need to eat. You yeah. know, that's not, that's not going to make you feel well or your attitude. Mm. It's going to do something with your mind. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the, the side effects of the work that I do are, is more health. It's uh, healing begets healing. I'll never forget we had a friend come over for dinner one night and, uh, he may have had a headache, I can't remember. Anyway, so I did a quick little session for him. The next, And the headache went. The next morning, his wife 
call to thank us for the evening, but also to say that his, um, how did I know his ankle was sore? And I said, I didn't know his ankle was sore. He didn't mention it. She said, he's had a sore ankle for two years. And she said, Tanya, it is completely gone. Now, I didn't reference that ankle at all. Because you didn't know. Yeah. But when you correct the body, the information field, other things clear up because they're all to some extent affected by the, the um, information faults within your energy field. So when you start cleaning that up, other things happen. You know, someone may come to, for me, uh, to me for some psychological something to find that um, a physical problem mm -hmm. uh, cleared up and vice versa. I remember someone coming to me for his mom had died when he was six and uh, sorry, not died, left him and his brother with his dad. And his whole life, his heart was sore. And his wife, and, and for no reason now, now his life was good, but his heart was always sore. His wife got hold of me. She'd come to me for something else. And in that session, he, um, it was towards the end, and he lies down on the massage table, and he suddenly sat right up. I mean, enviable abs to do that. It was like he almost gave me a fright because he sat up so directly and said, it's gone. And I was so deep in doing the session, I was just towards the end. I said, what's gone? He said, the ache in my heart is gone. So for him, that experience was so dramatic. Well, then he goes on to tell me that his entire shoulder had um, healed up right then. And he said, I have absolutely no pain whatsoever. And I can't give you more details because it will make it too telling. But it was dramatic. And I've had so many of those, you, you even wonder about the connection. How has that got anything to do with that? Yeah. But I see those things all the time. Especially the ankle. Yes. Headache, ankle. <laughs> yes. But you, like you said earlier, everything's connected. Yeah. Everything is connected. It's amazing. Yeah. It is marvelous. It's I love marvelous. that. Yeah. So Tanya, I understand, it's understood that the greatest wealth is health. Is that true? And can you give us your perspective on that? You know, without our health, what have we got? Our soul may be saved, but on this earth, your body is your ticket to ride. You know, with if you don't look after your body, your, your life here is going to be short. There are uh, There's nothing that a very ill person wouldn't give up. To get their health back. Mm -hmm. When you, you can't enjoy life, you're miserable, you're a drain on other people's resources, your family's time. Um, it's almost selfish, it is selfish not to take care of your own health. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is wealth for sure. Very. Health is your wealth. It's amazing. I'd rather, people, my grandpa always told me, I'd rather have health than a million bucks. Yes, because what help, what use, what pleasure do you get from a million bucks if you've got no health? Yeah. You know, if you can't travel and run and walk, if you're with a, you know, on an oxygen tank and in a wheelchair and everything, what is your million dollars in the in the bank? So, Steve, right, like Stephen Hawking's. Yeah. He was well to do, but 
He had people taking care of him. He was in a wheelchair since he was 20, in his early 20s. Of course, that was that was out of his control. Um, that's unfortunate, but, you know, a lot of things, a lot of things that, like you said, we do have control over, mm. you know, what we eat, people that overeat or people that don't take care of themselves, whether they're addicted to smoking, drugs, drinking, mm. and sooner or later, it takes a toll. They reap the, the fruit of those bad habits, yeah. those bad choices, and it affects, you know, a lot of people, yeah. not just them. And even things that are not in our control, we still have a choice as to how we perceive it. We can still get more and more miserable if we're in that wheelchair, or we can change our attitude. And um, I work with a, um, a young gentleman who has got cerebral palsy, and he is used to go and boost the spirits, the morale of grown, able-bodied adults who are struggling a little bit with this whole um, social, just their spirits are low. He is the one that goes and boosts their morale. You know, I think we have, it's the, the age of accountability. We will take, it's, it's our, we choose how we respond to things. Yeah, it is a choice. React, respond. Yes. Nick Vojcik. Yeah. Pardon? Nick Vojcik. Oh, yes. Nick, yeah. No there arms you and legs. are. He's a very good example of that. So when I feel like I'm having a bad day or life is not going well, I mm -hmm. think of him. I'm like, really? Get it in perspective. Yeah. yeah. Joni Erickson Tada as well, you know, um, being in a wheelchair. Wonderful young woman dives into a swimming pool and is um, a paraplegic for the rest of her life. But she, you know, speaks on um, forgiveness and has a wonderful ministry. You know, there are there are amazing examples around us. What are you going to use it for? Yes. You know, you, yeah. you're going to take your bad day and just wallow up in it and sulk in it, or are you going to exactly serve other people? Yeah, that's awesome. Lastly, every human being is an author of his or her own health and disease. With your education and experience, what do we do to minimize the health issues we have today? Do you believe there is a root cause of it all, or at least most of it? I think that we all, again, make our own choices. There are foods that um, energize the body, and there are foods that deplete and burden the body. We get to choose, for the most part, the food that we eat. We get to choose whether we want to drink water or a can of soda. Um, there are a lot of choices we make the whole time. We are co-creators of our existence. We choose. You know, maybe not the seven-year-old child who's in um, a home with their parents. They eat what mom puts on the table. Right. But they are... In the fullness of time, we make those choices and we can decide and create the health of our mind, our body, our soul and our spirits. It's absolutely within our control. Yeah. No excuses there. No. Not at all. No one is opening an obese person's mouth and force feeding them food. That's true. You know? It's true. And I mean, personally, I have an abhorrence of fast food. 
So I would, I quite frankly, I quite straight out tell my family, I would rather fast than have a McDonald's meal. Amen. To that. And I would fast and love it. You know, be great, not miserably fast, joyfully fast, right. rather than have that. Choices. Because what you put in your, a lot of people don't know what they put in their bodies. Yeah. You know, it's just, and there's no excuse for ignorance. You know, this is an age of information where you can, everything's out there for you to, to find. You've just got to take the responsibility of what am I going to do? There's no excuse at all. No. And a lot of that is not only education, knowing, but also um, laziness because yeah. people want a, a quick fix. They're yes. hungry. They go get fast food. Yeah. Instead of going to the market, buying the food, the good food, preparing a good meal, yeah. it takes time. People don't yeah. want to do that. It just takes time. But if you take time, exercise, no one wants to exercise. Mm. It takes time. They'd rather yeah. be sitting in front of the TV, watching TV, and eating a bag of chips. Well, they're making a choice. Yes. They're absolutely making that choice. And then they're not happy. Like, well, don't blame anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, Tanya, thank you so much for being here. I love what you had to share, and I know that uh, many people will benefit listening to this. I really appreciate you sharing your experiences uh, with your family, the missionary, uh, your husband, and and what you've learned. I love it. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Pleasure being here. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Champ 180 on health called Health is Your Wealth, So Budget Wisely with Tanya Boyd. God bless and champ up and champ on. Thank you so much for listening to the Champ 180 podcast. I really appreciate your time and tuning in. Again, this is Adam Childress, but I'd like to leave you with a few things to live by daily. That is be thankful, be kind, believe in yourself, never give up, help others, Cherish family and friends. Do your best. Listen with your heart. Laugh often. And love lots. Until next time, God bless.